We're live. My guest today is Rushi Mancha. He is co-founder of Movement Labs. Movement is a modular framework to build and deploy move-based blockchains, applications, and infrastructure in any distributed environment. Today, we're going to discuss, well, what is Move? What is this language? Why are people so excited about it? We'll talk about Movement Labs' modular Move VM. We'll also discuss why they're building their product as an Avalanche subnet. We'll also talk about the long-term vision and collaboration and integrations with Cosmos and also their M1 network that will effectively uh, be the launch product for uh, movement. I'm also dying to find out why he thinks Solidity will never be globally adopted at a mass scale. Before we get started, make sure to hit the like button, hit the notification bell and subscribe to make to get notified when I go live every week. And remember that none of what we discuss here on the Interop is investment advice. If you enjoy this content, please consider staking with us. We're live on Evmos, Quicksilver, Osmosis, Juno, and now on Nolis. Just look for Interop in the active set. And Nebula Summit is like 17 days away, and that's both exciting and scary. I hope you are coming to Nebula Summit. It's happening on the 24th and the 25th of July in Paris. It's two days of technical talks about IBC, Cosmos, the Interchain, and so much more. Uh, Ethan Buckman, Zaki Mannion, and Jack Zamplin. We just announced the speakers. so. With all of the other speakers we have as well, it's going to be amazing. We also have Neverly Hack Day on July 23rd. That is a full day of technical talks by the likes of DYDX, Neutron, Osmos, uh, Juno, OKP4, and other teams that will be giving tech workshops there. That's totally free for anyone to attend. Go to nebula.builders for more. My guest, Rushi, is coming up next, right here on The Interrupt. Hey, Rishi, thanks for joining. Hey, what's up, Deb? How's it going? Great, yeah, really excited to talk about Move today and movement and the Move VM and all of that exciting stuff. Uh, but first, yeah, how did you become part of this project and how did you get so interested in Move? Yeah, so I've kind of been a nerd and engineer for most of my career in life. Um, started off doing like systems and database security at a health insurance company, um, kind of stumbled across DeFi and crypto in general. When I was at Ethereum DeFi scene, started doing smart contract engineering. Um, was from Dex stuff, indexing protocols, um, in the Ethereum DeFi space. Um, really got interested in Cosmos ecosystem, like played around in Cosmosm and some recent space stuff. Um, but ultimately, really like saw the benefit of this new language that's coming out called Move. At the time, um, a little bit of context for the language. Um, it was designed by the Facebook DM or Libra project. Um, a few years back, um, there was actually a book called The Move Book written by the DM folks. Um, and since then, the Facebook had to kind of disband the project because of some regulation issues. There's kind of the, the foreshadowing for what we're seeing now in the United States. Um, but yeah. long story short, Facebook couldn't hold on to the project anymore. So the team kind of split up in two. You have Aptos and Aptos Labs and Sui from Misting Labs um, as the two main sects that split up into it. Um, raised a lot of money, probably the most well-funded ecosystem in space right now, um, outside of obviously Ethereum. Um, and yeah, I think when I kind of stumbled across the white paper first and read the mood book, I was like, wow, this is very interesting. A, because it was the first stab at a mainstream, like obviously Meta and Facebook, um, really penetrating into smart contract development. I don't think 
um, anyone has remotely come to that. Like Google Cloud has done some stuff. Um, AWS has um, supported infrastructure, but in terms of actually creating financial infrastructure and railroads, it's never been done before. So that sort of first got my interest. Um, and then we looked deeper into language semantics. Um, it was very interesting. Um, and now we're gonna chat on why we move later, um, but it kind of solved all the issues that I was facing as a Solidity developer. Um, and personally just fell in love with it. Um, and then God's Apple ecosystem was an engineer for some DeFi protocols. My co-founder built the first yield aggregator um, in the space. Um, so we're kind of like one of the first builders in the ecosystem. Um, but we didn't really like how it was handled in terms of Aptos and Sui, um, in terms of being very developer friendly um, and also focusing on ecosystems where the users are already there, where there already is DeFi volume, where there already is wallet technologies, where there's already railroads and infrastructures. Um, and we wanted to bring the fruits of this new language to ecosystems that where there was um, set communities. Um, and I guess we can delve deeper into that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting to go back and, and um, at that time when, you know, Facebook was announcing Libra and just the, it wasn't even regulatory pushback. It was just political pushback. It was just yeah. like this flood of like FUD around the biggest, you know, social media uh, network, uh, social network in the world, building their own currency. And that, yeah. the, um, you know, I think a lot of people, you know, that project is then was then rebranded to DM and then it was dis dismantled. But I think people don't realize the impact that this project had on policymakers. Like when we were working with folks in the European Commission a couple of years ago to to craft the Mika regulation, you know, this was in 2020. The the amount of uh, of folks that were just like holding on to this Libra idea and essentially saw everything bad in crypto, sort of like you know, extrapolated that into what they had seen in Libra was was insane and, and and so everybody was kind of focused on this thing even though it didn't exist anymore and they sort of saw all of crypto and DeFi as mirroring you know the risks of of libra and and, and facebook you know entering sort of the the currency market and so it was really uh it, it had lasting effects even though the project you know doesn't exist anymore it really had yep. lasting effects i think on like opinions you know in policy and uh in in enterprise yep i think that's what we saw from a developer point of view because i think Solidity was a great first precursor, but it was like, okay, who's actually writing Solidity? What enterprises using Solidity in the guardrails? So when Move first came out, all like the engineers were like, oh my God, this is like finally something that's like defined by one of the biggest companies in the world. Um, and that's what drew like a lot of developers to it originally. So so how many developers are there in this ecosystem really? Because I, I read the, I, I read some report, uh, I think it was like the, um, the electric capital report and yeah. they said that it was the fastest growing developer ecosystem. Like the numbers, the, the absolute numbers are, are fairly small, but you know, relative to other ecosystems that's growing very fast. And what's your sense of how big the developer ecosystems are? Yeah. Um, I actually just pulled up the, the document, but Swede, that's I think April, as of April 1st, it's 67 since then. Um, and then Aptos is on the same. So combined, they have around the same as BNB, more than BNB chain um, and around the Polygon numbers. So if you were to put them to be around like seventh most already off the bat, um, I think there's two interesting things on the electric cap report that I took away from that. A is the growth rate. So we compare growth rates to similar ecosystems. Um, the only thing, only ecosystem that's gotten close to what Appetence we have been able to pull off is Solana. 
Um, so when I offer explain to like the move system, there's two main things. A, I kind of call it like the precursor of Solana. When you look at Solana's trajectory, it took a few years for it to kick up. People were like, what's this new programming language? Like, why not Solidity? Like, why, why am I doing this? Um, and that's what we're seeing in the early stages, except now you have $650 million already committed like to be poured in the ecosystem, which is quite a lot of money. Um, and then B, you have the ability for this large APAC presence. So if you look, um, I'm currently calling for the APAC region. I was at this rebuilding house in Kyoto, um, but in Korea, Japan, um, Taiwan, these regions are especially blowing up with new developer activity, um, especially as US regulations increase um, and a lot of macro trends are shifting towards APAC region. Um, this is a opportunity where move developers and um, people building move infrastructure can really capitalize it, right? Um, you have the fastest growing developer environment. It's already at sixth or seventh most um, off the bat. Um, and now you have the ability to scale in regions where the economy is booming. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I, here in Europe, at least, I I don't hear a whole lot of people talking about Move and yeah. Aptos and Sui uh, apart from investors. But um, yeah, I, I didn't know that there was this growing... Uh, um, growing ecosystem of developers in in uh, in Asia and APAC region. Um, so so let, let's maybe kind of decipher the, the difference between Aptos and Sui. Like, why are there two chains doing you know building effectively? Which seems at the outside like the same thing. Are are they different? And which one of them are you know which one of them is maybe leading or like what's your sense of what that looks like. Yeah, so um, people have mixed opinions on who's the better chain. Um, for, uh, it doesn't really make sense. Of course sense they do, it's for, crypto. Yeah, <laughs> um, but ultimately, A, we're in a bear market, so it doesn't make sense to squabble over who's a better move chain. Like liquidity and like volume on both these chains are like going to be lower substantially because it's a new chain. Um, Solana took years to see a, like uproar, um, and that's what's going to happen with move. Um, so I think how we kind of broke up was Aptos generally got more of the BD people um, and Sui got more of the engineers. That's why Sui took a longer time to kind of uh, further iterate upon this move language. So to give context, um, the move language designed by Facebook was more directly inherited by Aptos um, and Sui kind of uh, changed it around some notable differences where that Sui has a consensus for like a DAG-like consensus. Um, they also have more emphasis on dynamic, dynamic NFTs. Um, they have different kind of time set method called a clock, um, which is supposed to speed up throughput. But long story short, Suite is a more enhanced version of the traditional move. The question is, where is like, what's the market trends, right? So, so far what I've been seeing is that Aptos is more the DeFi scene. Um, and that's kind of where they're putting their um, bets on, where Sui's betting more on gaming. Um, so they're talking gaming studios, onboarding them, um, doing a good job with the APAC region particularly. Um, so I think both these chains have a, a way to win, A, because they have a fundraising mode, and B, they're kind of targeting different markets. Um, but I think the current state of the move language is very secular in that, or like very split up, in that you have Aptos move and Sui move, which in itself is a different language. So Aptos move and Sui move are completely different languages. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah, go on. Oh, yeah, that's like chime in. Um, yeah, so Aptos move is the direct DM version of the move, and Sui move is what you're upon. You can't deploy a Sui move contract on an Aptos move VM. You can't deploy an Aptos move contract on a Sui VM. Um, it's like diff completely different languages, right? So that does create fragmentation because when you're bear marketing, there's X amount of developers, and now you're saying, okay, there's two different, like, there's a new language, but 
more on top of that, there's two different styles of move that language. It creates a fragmentation. So one of the goals here, and we'll get more into that, is kind of unify those efforts, right? We believe in this language, we believe it's the future, but A, we want to democratize it. So bring it to ecosystems where there's is like developers already friendly, like using the same wallets, um, using the same APIs, um, using like 90% of the same tech stack, but just the move VM or the move execution layer on top of it is really what we're trying to strive to do here. And then in terms of providing compatibility to both ecosystems, right now, if you have Aptos, DAP, you can't build on SWE. If you have a SWE, DAP, you can't build Aptos. We're working on unifying that. Okay, I mean that sounds a bit complex, right? Like if you have the basically the, the you know the, the the same you know language uh, uh, at the start, and and now like none of these contracts are compatible with each, with each other. Uh, okay, and so do they compete on? So I, I get that like Aptos is more DeFi and Sui is 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 leaning more into gaming. Are they competing on um, on other metrics like? transaction volume or or uh or any other kind of you know typical metric that people compare blockchains on yeah i mean it's crypto and crypto twitter like generally like there was like this huge issue at eat denver or something where like i think it was apt us uninvited sui from the event and there was like oh there's like a whole debacle um which is a child's play but anyways yeah people still compare like oh this is the tps for this chain it's tps for this chain um and then in practicality you're not actually seeing much volume um so it is ultimately just comes down to crypto twitter and crypto um general comparisons like oh this chain is better than this chain but in the macro um i would say they are competing but it's good competition right um, the analogy we say is a rising tide lifts, lifts all ships. Um, so if general, if SWE is doing really well, that generally brings more movement developers. So that brings more developers to Aptos and SWE both and us, right? Um, that's kind of how we're marketing ourselves too is great. There's this new language and there's a lot of fundraising around it. Let's try, let's try to bring traditional EVM users and like these EVM maxis to the move language, which ultimately helps overall ecosystem. Um, and that's what a lot of different groups with the Solana VM are trying to do as well. So Aptos is uh, is already live, is already mainnet, and Sui is uh, yet to launch, I believe. They're, um, they're on mainnet. They're mainnet. They're mainnet also. Okay. So yeah. how 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 much like liquidity? How big are these ecosystems? Like, what are we talking about here compared to something like Solana or like another popular well, I think one? Liquidities and traction is something that both ecosystems will tell you they're working on because a they launched in probably the worst market we've seen or like one of the worst markets we've seen. So it doesn't really help their case. Um, in terms of numbers, I believe Aptos is something around 40 million TVLs. We just launched a few a month or two back and said 15 million TVL. Um, so obviously in terms of numbers, it's still lacking, um, but that doesn't strike me as something that's bad or something that's alarming because any new blockchain, especially a new ecosystem with a new language, it takes a while to kick up. Um, if if the bet is more on the macro term, like in the five, next five to 10 years, what is the language that's going to win? And I think most developers will tell you it's not Solidity. Um, it, it's probably some other language. It might not be Move. Um, but the bet that we're making is Move has the most traction right now out of a non-EVM system. Um, and in the next five years, we're betting on multiple ecosystems, not just Movement, not just Aptos, not just Sui, um, but every ecosystem adopting Move as some capacity. Okay. The, the the people in the chat here are are talking about something I have no idea what it is but they're uh what's this uh sharp fades uh It's the haircut. Thing. I think it's the haircut. Okay. 
<laughs> okay. Anyway, there's some uh, there's some conversations going on about your about your haircut. Uh, <laughs> 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 Great. Well, let, let's talk a little bit about like the move language specifically. You know what what's so great about the move language and how does it compare to well one thing that I think a lot of people are familiar with and will have a good understanding is uh, solidity but also I think you know given the context of this podcast what is the how does it compare to say something like a Cosm Wasm VM you know using uh, with applications written in Rust yeah so I think the best example to point to this would be a DAO attack. Um, I think everyone kind of remembers how bad that attack was. Um, I think it was like 3.6 million ETH, which at the time was like 50 million US dollars. Um, basically what the attack was a large scale reality attack um, for folks who aren't familiar with what the definition is. It's basically when you're able to get into a, a flawless smart contract code, whether it's an integer overflow or like a byte uh, mishap um, and basically give the attacker's ability to carry the same transaction repeatedly. So if I'm sending money from me to you, I can make that same request around like hundred times and keep withdrawing ETH uh, without anyone checking on me because there wasn't any kind of built-in protection to say, hey, this person sending money from this person with this address, they're only allowed to send X amount of dollars at X amount of time. There's no built-in protection. This is kind of left up to the users and left up to developers. And it's pretty difficult to kind of set this in. I'd say there's maybe a handful of developers that can effectively safeguard um, applications. And even then it's like hackers always find a way to, oh, you missed that the, the integer was 257 bytes, not 56 bytes. I just got in a system that's $10 million lost overnight, right? Um, so I think on security side, that's, real, that's really the reason why Move was designed. It's because if you're ever going to see institutions, major gaming apps, um, banks using smart contract language, it can't be with Solidity because if let's say, for example, you have a lending protocol from one bank in Thailand um, to Indonesia, if that smart contract gets hacked and you lose a billion dollars, now it's not just a random DeFi protocol, it's the whole bank as an entity losing um, the support of its like followers who really or like, people are putting money in it um, that really need the money, right? Um, so that's originally why Move is designed, right? It has multiple key features. Essentially, it's things called, um, the thesis is formal verification. So developers can choose who has access to a module, which is a function in Solidity, um, when they have access and why they have access. So if I'm sending me from money from me to Seb, I can embed it within a smart contract saying, this money is going to go to the vault. The vault will stay there for X amount of time. It can only be accessed by Seb, who has this address for X amount of time. If there's any other criteria that's met, it immediately knows the contract and doesn't go through with it. What that really allows you to do is overarching theme of security. So you have built-in bytecode interpreters and verifiers that before a smart contract is executed, it checks for resource type and memory safety. Um, so those exploitations that happen slowly, um, Rust, and even other like, languages like JavaScript, um, fundamentally not possible in Move because it won't execute a smart contract if the bugs are present. And then, yeah, that's a little bit more on the security side. I can get more into that. Um, but the second fold is the performance side. Um, so Move is also designed to be the fastest and highest performance language um, in likes with the Solana thesis in fast, 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 right? But Move is saying, okay, we want to be as secure as possible, but also be have a throughput necessary for um, these large gaming apps and Socialify. I think that's originally one of the main reasons why um, Facebook designed this language, because if you integrate into Instagram or Facebook, now you're not talking about 10 users, 100 users, DAU, you're talking about billions. And you need a language, you need a, a framework that can handle those transactions per second, otherwise your system's crashing every day. 
Um, and gaming apps, especially in the bull market, saw that um, bandwidth get kind of destroyed. If you talk about like DeFi kingdoms, they broke Harmony, then they broke Avalanche, um, and now they like launch a subnet to kind of handle scaling issues, right? Um, so that's kind of a TLDR on to like why move. Yeah, I'd like to talk a little bit more about the security, but uh, something that I forgot to ask, uh, which comes back to the previous topic, was in, in Aptos and Sui, what's the consensus look like? Because uh, that also plays a huge part in throughput, right? It's like transactions yes. being able to be confirmed. Yeah. So Aptos has like a BF, traditional BFT consensus. consensus. Um, Sui uses a DAG, which is some people don't really call it blockchain technology, but it's like a different kind of consensus. Um, I think both of them are like very instant finality. Consensus is pretty solid. Um, the only issue that tends to pop up with both ecosystems is the centralization um, issue. Um, the minimum stake on AP on Aptos is two million APT, I believe, um, which is um, ten million dollars plus, um, which means you kind of shut out most of the community because not everyone has ten million dollars. Um, in their bank account to stake Aptos. Sui, I believe is 10 million Sui or something like that. Um, so long story short, it's a lot, it's a big staking requirement to be able to um, participate as a validator in these networks, um, which tends to lead to centralization um, in both chains. Um, I'm not here to spread FUD or like kind of um, talk bad about chains, but um, that tends to be why we see some performance issues and consensus mechanism. Um, if you have 70% of the network dominated by a centralized entity, chances are your throughput isn't that great because it ultimately ends up being sequential. If Even if you market as a parallel processing system, if you have one centralized entity that runs around 60, 70% of the network, um, some arbitrary number like that, you still need to wait for that one entity to verify each transaction versus something like Avalanche, Cosmos, where the valid requirements taking requires much lower. Um, eventually, you can get a permissionless network when move out validators. Now you have actually the use case of parallel processing. And we've seen that Solana, obviously, right, with the decentralization. That hasn't happened in Apple since we yet. And it's something that we're working on fixing. Yeah, I mean, at some point, you know, even Cosmos and, and Avalanche, as, as more applications come on those chains and the token prices, you know, probably um, go, go up in lockstep like the, the the cost of securing that chain is also going to get higher and they also certainly the, the the entry the entry uh price to 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 become a validator will also become much higher um but that's just a that's just a function of like ecosystems growing um so let, let's talk about uh the, the security aspect of move a little bit more because um, a lot of people talk about, and you, you mentioned this also, that like Move is a very secure language. It has, uh, you know, it has formal verification, like uh, uh, type verification, etc. Um, can, can you talk about some of the specific features that make it more uh, secure than yep. most other? Uh, I mean, may, maybe. You know, maybe the EVM is not a good is not a good example, but let, yeah. let's say compared to Cosmwasm, which I think like is much more secure than than Solidity and uh, and also much more robust and uh, better development environment, etc. Yeah, I was at the Cosmos Summit in Prague, and I went up on stage and said, "Move is better than Cosmwasm." And after the the little like talk, I had like eight angry Cosmwasm developers come up to me. <laughs> why do you Why do you think it's better? Why do you think it's better? And I was like, "Okay, this is why." So essentially, there's a few embedded security features that's not really prevailing in Cosmwasm and Rust. Um, it's more analogous to what you're seeing in Cairo and Cairo One specifically, um, which is like Starkware um, smart contract development. But for example, the move has a built-in bytecode verifier. It uses this schematic called borrowing checking. Um, so there's only one movable reference at a given time. So for example, if I'm 
if I'm not a hacker in Solidity or even Cosm was in Rust, when there is a smart contract, there's multiple like methods or functions that can manipulate at a time. With Move, it specifically defines in the bytecode verifier, verifier that there's only one mutable reference at a given time. So if there's a vari variable or a specific um, contract that needs to be invoked, there's only one thing that can swap out developers at a given time. And then once that transaction is ex executed, it can only be modified by the function invoking it, which is a huge difference from traditional um, languaging protocols because you can, if you're a smart contract de developer, you can say this DAP has access to this um, smart contract module, which gives hackers and just general people who look at smart contracts the ability to say, to change their identity essentially and um, say a SERP fraternity and get into a smart contract, if that makes sense. Um, more so Move has this embed saying that it's only one person who can access at a given time. And that's the person who invoked the function calling a smart contract. And then once it's invoked, there's only one mutable reference and the function can change at a given time. So the worst case scenario, the worst manipulation that you have is a single mutable reference that given a smart contract. Um, so there's none of that rapid reality attacks that you see in Solidity. Um, Cosmosm does a better job than Solidity, obviously. Um, but I think there's a built-in security features um, that's not present in Cosmosm. And I think something that's very important to note is I'm sure that if you were like a cracked Cosmosm developer, you could get to the point where it was bulletproof. Um, obviously, there's greater protocols doing that. But for the average developer, imagine like the 23-year-old, just college grad, and he's just picking up a smart contract language. He has to spend years, or he or she has to spend years um, perfecting Cosmosm slowly, et cetera, to really get to the point where they're developing bulletproof smart contract code um, to deploy. With Move, you, the learning gap is pretty similar. If you know Rust, it takes you two weeks to learn Move, and you have built-in security and semantics. So you don't need to worry about reinsertion attacks. You don't need to worry about formal vacation. It's built into language. Um, so even though some people will be like, oh, this language is better than that. Oh, this language can actually do it. The question is, how easy is it for the average developer to attain security? I'm sure, like I touched on, if you're like a very good developer you can do it um but part of what i guess the entire industry is trying to do is how do you make this more accessible to the average day user average day developer and i think movie does a great job of doing that so so if you know rust it's fairly easy then to pick up move sorry yeah if you're a rust developer like the analogy i use is move is to rust as react as a javascript if you know JavaScript, oh, okay. it takes you two weeks to pick up React. If you know yeah. Rust, it takes you two weeks to pick up Move. Um, it's just a difference in like uh, using this, like it's called modules and it's more object oriented and there's like security mechanisms that you pick up, um, but it's a Rust based, even the VM is Rust based. Um, so it's pretty standard to pick up. Okay, interesting. Um, yeah, well, let, let's let's dive into movement a little bit and, uh, and what you guys are building. But before we do that, I wanted to, address your hot take uh, from the beginning of the of the podcast. You said that Solidity would never be globally adopted at a mass scale. Uh, I think yep. like uh, like your 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 uh, your uh, your Prague experience, that would probably get a lot of people also um, coming up to you after after your talk. Uh, <laughs> why, yeah. why do you think that is? Can you defend that argument? Yeah, I think everyone I've spoken to agrees, like even like Ethereum, like main engineers are now we're saying like these vulnerabilities are too hard and to pick up a mass scale um like i touched on if you're like the top one percent developers you can probably figure it out and like use external libraries to kind of piece together um but there's two things here a 
how do we make this as easy as possible to average developers? If you ever get to a point where it's web two and the average students learning their college environments or like people learning to build their own websites and blockchains are that you know readily available, you want a framework and language that's A, easy to pick up and B, has as much built in security um, and performance mechanisms to make it as easier for developers. It's a concept of abstraction, right? How can we abstract away um, the security mechanisms? Sure, in Solidity, sure, in different languages, you can add a bunch of different libraries, put again, pull like leg pieces together and get decently secure code. But the average developer is not gonna be able to do that. Um, and if we're ever going to hit the part ad adoption where um, there's millions and millions of developers, the language that's gonna be used the most is the one that's the easiest and most abstracted. It's why JavaScript blew up, right? It wasn't the C++ or wasn't like the assembly language, right? It was the higher level, well-documented, um, like widely used language that pretty much abstracted away the user experience. Like it's pretty easy to launch web, web applications with um, JavaScript. React was more specialized in that it was easy to spin up your own iOS app, spin up your own website, pretty straightforward. Um, so I think that's the bet with anti-Solidity. It could be some other language besides Move. Um, but in the current state, Solidity is very weak in terms of security, like built-in mechanisms. And then be on the performance side, um, it's just not able to handle parallel processing. Um, there are a few teams trying to work on like Monad, um, who's bringing this, um, like parallel processing to EVM. Um, but traditionally, Solidity is not built and the EVM itself is not built to handle higher throughput needs. So if all goes well and we actually hit the million user mark and plus, um, you can't have that with five TBS. This is not going to work. Yeah, I, uh, that's uh, that's something that it's very difficult to square with people who are like really vested in Ethereum. Is uh, yeah, and I mean I love Ethereum. You know, I was like always loved that project since since I first heard about it. Uh, but um, yeah, yeah, it's think, difficult um... to see how it scales. It is really difficult to see how it um, it grows to kind of like mass adoption level without some significant some significant changes to the VM. Yeah, I think it's important to note that Solidity is not Ethereum, right? Um, just like Move is not necessarily opposite and sweet. Um, you can believe in Ethereum and not believe in Solidity. Like you can say, like, oh, Absolutely. Ethereum, is Ethereum yeah. is the most decentralized. Ethereum has all the volume. Ethereum has all the TVL. You're right in all met metrics. Um, and a lot of groups are now coming out and saying, how can we take the best parts of Ethereum, but remove the worst parts? Um, so that's where the layer two kind of um, like kind of app chain thesis and what folks at Optimism, Arbitrum are trying to do, um, as well as the ZK groups. Um, and I think that's our thesis going, going forward, right? We believe in these existing systems, Cosmos, Ethereum, Avalanche, et cetera. But how can we leverage, <laughs> how can we leverage these already established ecosystems and fundamentally improve them on an A, user-friendly level? So it's built in the SDK and be on a level that doesn't change your user experience. So you still use the same wallets, use the same APIs, but now you can kind of use Move without even knowing it. That's kind of what we're trying to get at. Yeah, and that's a huge challenge. Like, yeah, yep. I, I, th I think, you know, like you said, even even Solidity developers agree that Solidity is probably not the, the language that will take Ethereum, you know, through the next, say, 10 years, uh, but there's a huge technical debt there and uh, just, you know, seeing how, how long it took to move Ethereum to proof of stake. And now imagine changing, changing the VM so that, uh, so that Solidity is no longer the language. Now, of course, L2s are going to address that by, by having sort of VMs that, um, 
that leverage Ethereum as a as a DA layer, but but Ethereum for now at least I don't I don't know of any plans to change the yeah. update the VM. All right, let, let's let's dive into movement. So, what what is movement and what is it offering to developers? And and I guess the broader question is like where does it sit with regards to Aptos and Sui? Um, so. To explain what movement is, essentially it is a module, it's part of the module thesis. So it's a module move framework to bring the execution environment to different ecosystems. Um, so we're starting with Avalanche, which is our first chain called M1. Um, it's using the great sub technology and leveraging um, the movers machine. And the vision is to unify different ecosystems with one centralized SDK. So if I can deploy a move smart contract and it can exist on different ecosystems where um, A can be adopted as a standard for Ethereum, um, avalanche, et cetera, um, and B, have a unified bridging mechanism. So no matter where I am, if I'm an avalanche maxi, if I'm Ethereum maxi, um, I can still believe and move and use the same DeFi apps and the same wallet infrastructure. Um, so long story short, it's a module execution layer that brings the move language to different systems. So movement is, uh, when, when you say that movement uh, can deploy to different ecosystems. So it, it's sort of like a more of a development framework than, than so much or than a, than a VM. Yep, it's more of a development framework as an execution environment. I think if you have you heard of Fuel Labs, um, they kind of did like a whole yeah. Fuel VM on top of different ecosystems. Um, we're following kind of a similar playbook, except we're trying to unify all the different execution environments. I think something that I came across as a developer is if I'm trying to deploy a smart contract, there's like what, 100 different chains, 100 different SDKs, 100 different CLIs. Um, it's a very fragmented approach in terms of how can I deploy smart contracts, which A, deters users, because we're even seeing that within the Move community. You have two different environments, two different blockchains. It fragments the user experience, it fragments the development environment. What if there's a way that you can create a centralized SDK, have developers build on the one SDK, um, create two ways on top of that, and can deploy different chains. Um, it's particularly why the Cosmos SDK was brilliant, right? It had the ability to spit up um, app chains at will. You can use IBC connect all of them. Um, and it was a revolutionary thing. But our thesis is let's bring a Cosmos SDK-like feel to the execution layer environment where we can deploy move smart contracts um, and make and unify all these different systems that are fragmented. Okay, so when, when you say that you can deploy these applications, the, you, you can use the SDK to deploy to different uh, chains, you're talking about deploying to different move VMs or is there, um, is the SDK also compiling sort of move code into say Solidity or, or some other like byte code that can be deployed um, on say yeah. like an Ethereum chain? So this is some alpha, um, but we're working on a compiler um, that can turn this move code into Solidity code. Um, and that is coming out very shortly once we come out with the race announcement and the whole like uh, marking gig. Um, but for the first few iterations, it's going to be the move VM um, because we're going to ecosystems where it's fairly portable. And it's kind of why we settle on Avalanche as the first stop. Um, it's kind of in the prerogative of the Avalanche tech stack to be cross VM um, and be interoperable with the subnet architecture. So it made it really easy to deploy the move VM on top of it. Um, and then when we go to different ecosystems, A, it could be a compiler that directly turns the move code into EVM, or it could be potentially bring the move VM to like rollups and whatnot. Okay, very cool. Well, you heard it here first. <laughs> um, yeah, thanks for sharing that. So, so the, the, this um, this framework, um, it so going back, it, it allows 
developers to build move uh, contracts and deploy them to any uh, move environment. Are they writing an Aptos SUI or, or Aptos move or, or SUI move? So right now it's Aptos move, but we'll have compatibility for both styles. Okay. And is there going to be like some higher level of abstraction where you could just write like in one language and it then deploys to both types of move VMs? So there wouldn't be a need to do that because at the move VM level itself, um, Aptos and SweeMove Sui are, are different, but they're more designed. Like SweeMove is designed for the Sweet consensus. Aptos move is designed for Aptos consensus. The move standards and benefits are kind of similar in both. Some argue that SweeMove is radically better than Aptos. Um, so as of right now, where we're standing, it's like Aptos and SweeMove, like the ability to launch them both. Um, we are work talking with some ZK folks, and there could be some ZK move, um, which kind of has the upper level extraction, but it's more down the roadmap. Um, it doesn't. There doesn't really need to be a need for that so far. <clears throat> okay, so you don't need to compile down to like some yeah. common thing. Okay, yeah. uh, interesting. So where where does um, where does M one sit in all of this? So M one is the Avalanche chain. Um, technically, it's being a subnet, but we mark it as a layer one on top of Avalanche consensus. It's one of the first of its kinds um, in that we're able to bring a novel new technology um, to the Avalanche ecosystem. Um, so that is what we mark it as M one, a module layer one, um, and then we're able to have different expansions like M two, M three. Kind of the inspiration was the um, Tony Stark um, Iron Man Mark One, in which that was his first like um, suit of armor, and then he's able to upgrade that um, with more um, iterations. Um, so that's kind of where we drew inspiration for the Mark One chain. Okay, so the M1 chain is uh, an Avalanche subnet that yep. allows people to deploy, move smart contracts. Yep. Um, yeah, why did you choose to build on Avalanche? Yeah, that's a question we get a lot. Um, and there's a few reasons. A, the Avalanche is pretty much one of the only places where cross VM or multiple VMs is possible. Um, Avalanche is in the past with the Rust VM. Um, obviously, they're EVM compatible. Um, but they essentially have this suite of gRPC APIs that are exposed to any VM called Avalanche Go. So essentially, what we're able to do is plug and play different VMs into the consensus mechanism. Um, so, for example, if you have um, a Solana VM or Rust VM, you can put it on, you can spin up as a binary subprocess on top of the gRPC APIs on Avalanche Go. And then now you can send Solana VM transactions to Avalanche Consensus. Um, so, A, technically it was the best and probably only place um, that we could build on top of as of right now for the first chain. Um, and then, B, in terms of liquidity, that is a huge struggle that Aptos and Sui are facing. Um, obviously, 40 million and 15 million TVL aren't that flattering. Um, Solana saw in the first two or three years um, it kicked up and then FTX erected, um, unfortunately, um, but hopefully they're kicking back. Um, but what the benefits of Avalanche is the technology called Avalanche Warm Machine. So essentially, any DeFi protocol, let's say your yield aggregator on Aptos, you didn't have much yield to aggregate. Um, it was pretty much next to nothing. Or books had no orders to really book. Those same DeFi protocols can launch an M1 chain and natively tap into um, liquidity and user base that exists in the primary chain. So a yield aggregator can, in theory, use primary chain assets. Or books can, in theory, use um, primary chain um, assets. Um, it's something that it's more analogous to what IBCs did for Cosmos, um, and it's something that is on a system where it's EVM mostly. Okay, so you said something interesting here that I wasn't aware of or that I'd like to unpack a little bit is 
you said that uh, the Avalanche consensus works with uh, any uh, VM because of these gRPC these gRPCs that allow the uh, the VM to talk directly to Avalanche consensus. How different is that from ABCI on uh, Cosmos tenement chains? So it's pretty similar in terms of conceptually. I think that Avalanche Go is more better documented, and it's also there's better use cases of ABC, uh, better use cases of Avalanche Go. You have us, you have Rust VM, you have the EVM, obviously. Um, I believe ABCI is used for obviously EVM, and then um, folks are working working on Solana VM, but there hasn't been any kind of deployed concept. Um, and I think it's pretty similar in, ter in terms of general aspects, but Avalanche Go is more directly saying, hey, you can plug in your VMs into our consensus, and it's really public and open sourced and documented very well on the Avalanche website. Okay, interesting. Um, cool. And so you're launching this as a subnet. Uh, and the idea is that, that M1 serves also as a way to move liquidity in and out of Aptos and Sui by virtue of being yep. Avalanche. I mean, Avalanche is like one of the largest ecosystems. There's tons of liquidity there. Um, what, what are you, what are you doing here to like bootstrap that process? And is M1 like, does M1 act as a, a sort of hub between Avalanche, Aptos and Sui, and then later on like other ecosystems? Is that like the vision here? Yep, the vision is to have M1 as the hub for these ecosystems. We believe that if we can, A, have a first stepping stone as an alternative to the main two move chains, that's already off the bat a lot better for the experience they're seeing in Apple and Sui. Um, a, for tokenomics reasons, which I can get into later. Um, and then B, um, just from a pure tech stack, um, we notch 146,000 TPS a few days back. Um, and the ability to be have multiple chains within subnets, um, communicate with subnet to primary chain. Um, essentially, we're able to bring what like the Cosmos like feel to the move language, um, and then we can bring that same tech stack to other systems. Um, kind of what like Polymer is doing with IBC, right? This IBC started off with, within Cosmos, and they bring the IBC now to other systems, which is very attractive. Okay, very 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 neat. And so when when people are using the the movement uh, framework, they can deploy. Then they can use that framework to deploy to M1, and then all, obviously, like all of the other uh, all of the other move uh, VMs or, or chains. Yep. Uh, will Aptos and Sui DeFi protocols and applications deploy on on M1? Yep. So the benefit is that we're fully compatible with any Aptos suite code. So let's say you have, you have a, some, a DEX on Aptos, it takes you 10 to 15 minutes to launch on top of us. Um, and it's obviously no brainer. Like, why would you not like launch on other ecosystems where there probably is more liquidity and volume um, when you can just do it for 15 minutes? Um, and then, yeah, I think it's, that's how the user experience and we're working on and have onboarded some of the bigger protocols in the space. And I, I read about this ZK move. Is that, yep. is that a thing or is that something you guys are building? So it was a concept first. There was like a few developers that um, spun out of the Libra project that were interested in um, creating a zero knowledge runtime for the move language. Um, so we're still in talks with the team and seeing how we can integrate our tech stack. Um, but the thesis is if we can bring the same like privacy and ability to use ZK proofs to um, not only have like 
authentication within the system. I know, for example, SWE has ZK logging. So now um, when you're logging with wallets on the SWE system, you can just use your email and password. Um, so that's something we're aiming to do as well. Like really bring the technologies and fruits of the ZK technology and ZK proofs um, to, to the move language. So now you're combining the fastest and more secure language with the privacy um, of the ZK technology. Okay. How many move VMs are there in total? Uh, in terms of like like live right now, yeah, or that that are like people are working on. I would say it's opposite. We have two move VMs, um, and those are the only two live ones on mainnet. Um, and then we're probably the one of the first groups, or if not the first group, doing on different systems. Um, and there's one other group, I believe, um, that's trying to do like a layer three move solution. Um, but that's all I know to my extent. Okay. So you, you mentioned tokenomics briefly. Can you talk a little bit about uh, the M1 tokenomics? Yeah, so I think uh, the biggest pain point um, in both Aptos and Sui with tokenomics, um, when Aptos first launched, it's probably one of the most hyped projects. I remember like everyone and their mom was talking about this new Aptos chain launching. Um, and then the rollout kind of came, FTX crashed, um, and then people were looking at tokenomics and like, hey, the, first of all, Aptos didn't publish it until very late. And then when they looked at it, it was like, some ridiculous number where it was like 60 plus percent was in some way in team investors' hands, um, even though it's not officially documented on that. When you look at like the breakdown of cap was out of that, um, and Sweet kind of falls in the same ballparks. Um, so what we're trying to do is very, very community first tokenomics, um, 60% supply going to um, community. Um, we really want to incentivize developers. So a huge percent of the supply is going to developer grants, um, going to ecosystem initiatives, um, and really trying to minimize how much investor allocation we're taking and literally trying to take um, the bare minimum to a bootstrap ecosystem, ecosystem fund, um, and make sure that we're able to put the tokens in the hands of the team. If you look what Avalanche did, I believe their tokenomics were like 50% valid rewards um, and then like very ecosystem driven focus. And that's why Avalanche is Avalanche. Um, and we're trying to aim to do similar things. If you can incentivize a community first through tokenomics, um, A, it will be much more rewarding for the ecosystem in general, and B, you'll be getting developers because now these token grants are worth a lot of money. Um, and then developers now have A, they can run their own validators, so you have more decentralization, and then B, you have supply for them to build on top of. Yeah, and so to be to be a validator for, for M1, you, you essentially have to be an Avalanche validator, right? Yep, so you stake AVAX and you stake MVMT as well. Right, okay. So the requirement is like the same as having a, it's like you, I think you need 200 AVAX to be a, an AVAX validator. It's like 2,000 AVAX and this. Or 2,000, yeah. 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 Which is, I think at this point, it's like twenty or $30,000. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is a lot less than $10 million. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, cool. Yeah, let's let's talk about Cosmos a little bit. So, I mean, I, I know, you know, you're um, also like deep into the Cosmos ecosystem, What's the longer term play here with regards to movement and Cosmos? Yeah, I think just taking a step back, I feel like Cosmos um, and Avalanche have a very interesting um, synergy. Like Sunny speaking at the Avalanche Summit, um, there's a lot of Avalanche folks at Cosmos events. I think it's not an if, it's not an if, it's a when. Um, that Avalanche and Cosmos eventually kind of converge into um, like-minded theses. Um, Sunny's talking about that with mesh security and how can you like share security with different systems. Um, so that was very exciting to hear about. Um, but overarching taking a step back is how can we take these two systems like Avalanche and Cosmos, um, kind of have different use cases sometimes, um, and really kind of band together. 
Um, so A, we're working with different groups that are like Polymer, et cetera. Um, they're taking IBC outside of Cosmos, um, looking to bring in Avalanche, et cetera. Um, so that's kind of a potential partnership at that front. I know they're trying to integrate with um, Eclipse as well, VM, um, and then we're in talks to do with the Move VM next at that point. Um, but the overarching thesis is how can we bring the Move language to Cosmos? And there's a few different ways you can do that. You can have a Move module, kind of where like Evmo said with the EVM module. You can have a Move zone. Um, so this is fundamental layer one. Um, and then you can kind of do like the roll-up module thesis, is, which is kind of what we're going with. If you have the Move execution environment, you can have it published to Celestia. You don't need a consensus mechanism. Um, and you can have IBC enable that. Um, so I think that is the one of the direction we're going to, A, because having five different blockchains um, isn't great for a company to do at early stage. Um, and then B, um, having going more to the modular thesis allows you to tap into different systems um, while leveraging the underlying tech stack. So if you have a, a movie that's modular, you can build on top of Avalanche, you can build on top of Celestia's role kit, um, and then obviously enable that to Dimension or something. Um, and then you can even bring the OP stack and bring the movie or Optimism stack. So that allows us to be flexible. Um, it allows SDK to be flexible. Um, and that's kind of where we're heading at with the Cosmos play. Okay. And would what, what would it take to then have uh, the, the movement um, movement framework or the, specifically like move VMs be uh, compatible with IBC? Is that something you guys are working on or that we should expect yeah. from you guys? Yeah, it should be IBC enabled within the six months time frame. Um, a, because there's a group called Landslide that's working on making Avalanche itself IBC enabled. Um, so if their testnet goes live well and our testnet goes, it should be out of the box compatible. Um, but even if that doesn't work out, our roll Celestia rollup should be IBC compatible. If that doesn't work out, you have Polymer able to ZK, um, IBC enable anything. So um, again, it's not an if, it's a when. Okay, so you mentioned landslide. That's interesting. So with landslide here, the idea would be that um, to move tokens in and out of move from Cosmos, you would go through landslide first through IBC, and then yeah. using Avalanche warp messaging, go from landslide to movement. So it's sort of like there's still a hop between. Well, right? I think you can use a dex for example. You have a dex on M1. You can use Avalanche warp messaging to communicate the transaction between our chain and landslide. Um, and then Landslide can communicate that transaction to insert Cosmos protocol with IBC. So you're essentially leveraging to the two bridging protocols that are native. Uh, you don't need layer zero, you don't need XLR, you don't need um, insert bridge. Okay, got it. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like, the ideal solution is for, like, everything to be IBC compatible and sort yeah. of have native, native IBC uh, compatibility. Um, I guess, like, taking a step back a little bit, you know, what's your, like, I tweeted, I tweeted this earlier today. It's like, you know, I think that thinking about ecosystems in crypto, you know, we, it's like, oh, there's the move ecosystem or there's like the Ethereum or VM ecosystem and there's Cosmos and Solana, whatever. I feel like these distinctions are going to become less and less relevant over time. And the way I'm thinking about this is like, look, looking back at computing, you know, if you look at, if you look back like 20 years ago, there was a really broad chasm between, you know, Linux and Windows and, uh, you know, Macintosh at the time um, and very little compatibility between those uh, those computing environments. But as time grew by, as time went on uh, and, um, and the, the stack, say like the application stack 
um, became well more modular and and also uh, more abstracted. Now the, the 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 differences between those operating systems, or at least like from a user perspective, is very limited. You know, you, you know, people you know you walk into any office, people are using Macs, people are using PCs, they're using Linux, and interoperating through this other layer, right, which is the internet. Yep. Where where do you see? How, do you see that? Do you think this is a fit analogy for crypto and? What do you think needs to happen for for better interoperability to um, to essentially allow this uh, this vision for you know all of this um, uh, all of this state to essentially become interoperable? Yeah, I think this is a discussion we were I was having with a few folks. Um, I think the cause was direction A is going to trend to a direction where the SDK becomes less important and IBC becomes the most important innovation from Cosmos. I think most people will agree that IBC is the standard and the thing that's going to survive. Um, I think if we can have a level of interoperability across the ecosystem um, where users don't know what bridge they're using or users don't know what infra they're using, that's when you kind of get to a level where you can finally have... Um, interoperability to the max extreme right now there's like eight different bridges and if you want to use a different bridge you have to like wrap the asset if unwrap the asset um and there's like it's a whole hurdle i think if there's a world where it, it could be ibc it could be warp messaging it could be whatever bridging protocol that works and no matter what chain you're on what system you're on the bridging solution isn't known to the user when you're on a wallet you want to swap between chains it just gives you the best rate and you swap between the whatever bridging mechanism is used, that's like, that's, it doesn't really matter. Um, so I think once you get to the level of bridging abstraction, that's when you have something really powerful. Something that we're working on as well is when you have different ecosystems and trying to bring in a unified execution layer, the question is what bridge are you using? And our answer is it doesn't matter. It matters what's the lowest fees, what's the lowest latency, what's most secure. And then we provide the best solution to the user and the user doesn't care what bridge they're using. And I think most 99% of users truly don't care what bridge they're using. They just want their assets transferred. Yeah, but like, so if you look at, if we come back to this computing example, like the interoperability of com in computing doesn't happen at the lower layers. It happens at the higher layer, right? It happens, um, it happens at the, at the application layer almost, right? Um, I mean, there there is interoperability, I guess. I mean, like, so we we, we have like eight, we we agree on standards like like TCP/IP, yep. but uh, if you, if we're talking about the computing layer, we we didn't create better standards for like Unix machines to talk to Macs to talk to Windows. We developed better standards at the application layers for those for applications yep. to be able to talk to each other. Um, yeah, how, how does that overlap with with crypto? Do you think? I think that happens at SDK level, right? Like I touched on a minute, first open this call is, there's so many chains, there's so many different SDKs, so many CLIs. It's a very fragmented approach. I think that's what the next step in this innovation cycle is gonna look like. A, from a wallet perspective, if you're deploying a DAP on SDK, it's one new wallet, whether it's Circle's new wallet they launched, um, which wallet APIs, or MPC wallets, or different technologies where users don't know that you're using a specific wallet, they're using a specific um, infra play. Um, they're just able to deploy the smart contracts, use the DAP um, without wonder, wondering what technology use that uh, application infrastructure. So I think there can be a large level of 
abstraction at the application infrastructure level, um, which in our case and uh, most new chains cases is the SDK. SDK is what the developers interacting with. It's how they're developing smart contract. It's how they're communicating with the protocol. Um, and right now it's a very fragmented approach um, where it's different chain, even like Aptos SDK is different from the Sweet SDK. So right now, if you're a move builder and you're learning a new language, now there's two different CLIs, there's two different SDKs, uh, two different documentation sets. Um, it's a headache, right? So if we can develop a centralized or one set standard for SDK, um, kind of like how Java has the Java SDK, right? You don't, no one, no one like questions that, oh, it's just SDK that everyone uses and everyone builds on top of it. And now you have um, great innovation. SDK, Java's SDK has also been iterated upon um, and now pretty much everyone uses that. If we can get to a point, whether it's us, whether it's Ethereum, whether it's consensus, whether it's um, Cosmos, that's one unified central, like a software development kit. Um, I think that solves pretty much 90% of the hassles um, developers face. So where can people learn more about movement and uh, what's on the roadmap for you guys? Yeah, so we are still technically in stealth, but not really. Um, so we'll be coming out next anymore. month. <laughs> we'll be coming out next month with the raise announcement. Um, developer docs, testnet is also alpha is done. Um, so it'll be launched shortly um, as well as incentivized testnet for um, some airdrop. Um, alpha. Cool. Well, Rusi, uh, I learned a lot about move today, which, which is great because, <laughs> uh, yeah. and, uh, and also movement. So thanks. Thanks so much for coming on. Yeah. Appreciate the time, Seb. Anytime.